This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher. I know people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. Maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are you going? Doing very well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do love ratings and reviews on this show, of course. So perhaps while you're listening to the podcast today, uh, maybe go and leave us a cheeky little review. That would be much appreciated. Uh, but we do have a massive show coming up. Power bills are set to moon. Uh, that's not a cool name for the latest cryptocurrency. Although, Thomas, if you think about it, power bills mm. is a great name for a cryptocurrency. Mm. Power, power bills. Sadly, no, just a good old-fashioned power increase, a uh, power price increase. Uh, and forget working from home. It's time to start homing from work as New York starts converting office space into apartments. And maybe we won't have to work at all, though, because we've got more robots coming for your jobs. These are actual robots, though, not just a glorified chatbot. But first, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, now Credit Suisse, banks crashing all around us. Did someone say KFC? Sorry, GFC. Did someone say GFC, (laughs) Thomas? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's going on in the banking sector, but you know, mm. I, I feel like, but you know, regulators assure us that it's all fine, and <laughs> I'm reminded of that meme of the dog sitting in a burning building, going, "This is fine." Re- regulators re- reminds me of that. Uh, when was it? The '90s show, that '90s song. Sorry, you know, regulators. Ah, oh, regulators with, with Nate G. No, no, <laughs> no, Nate Dog and and regulators. Warren G. <laughs> and I'm not a rapper, so. <laughs> Yeah. Good segue. Yeah. Anyway, what's uh, Nate Dog up to? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe he's moving his money out of Credit Suisse. Probably not. <laughs> I don't think he's. He's probably doesn't have right. anything to do with Credit Suisse. Yeah, but but more banking chaos. So yeah. Mm. So SVB got the full bailout uh, last weekend, and then midweek Credit Suisse nosedive. So mm. its shares fell thirty percent at one stage. Got a trading hold. Credit Suisse is a pretty big bank, no? Isn't it? That's one oh, of the big yeah. ones. It's yeah, like, massive. So we've moved on from the little SVBs and signature banks, and now we're like big end of town. It is big, but I think it's like a quarter of the size of NAB still. So, oh. like, it's big in terms of like, in, I guess, in as an investment bank, it's big. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Credit Suisse has a lot of like. Um, retail de- de- depositors. I think they're mm. more more of your uptown kind of bank. Right. Everyone's heard of them and 
it's a big name it, mm. and it's bigger than you know no one had heard of svb so yeah it, it's a it's a big story I mean, the weird thing about it is you look at this and think like, oh yeah, banking collapse. This is the, this is the collapse of the financial sector we've been worried about for 12 years or whatever. Yeah. But what happened to, to Credit Suisse has, has nothing to do with what happened to SVB. Rubbish. Really? No, yeah, practic- practically <laughs> it's nothing. coincidence that yeah. two banks just, or three banks, all crashed at the same time. Unrelated, unrelated incidences yeah. that happened at different banks. No, well, no, that's, that's the reality. No, like, I mean, what really? happened at Signature Bank and SVB was pretty much the same. Signature, oh, okay. SVB was, had an over-concentration in the tech sector and then a mismatch in their liabilities because they'd gone long treasuries and so they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't handle a run. Same okay. story. At, at Signature Bank. Credit Suisse doesn't have any of that issue. They don't have an over-reliance on one sector. They don't have a liability mismatch in, mm. in their, on their books. What they did have, they had to file a report in the US. Well, no, the US Securities and Exchange Commission announced that they were looking into it and they had to delay the publication by a week. And everyone's like, ooh, that's a bit odd. And then they came out and announced that they had found material weaknesses in their financial reporting processes for 2021 and 2022. Ah. Didn't say what those material weaknesses were, but everyone heard that went, ooh, that's not good. Right. And it happened just as SVB Bank and all of that's collapsing. And mm. I don't know if you caught this other story about First Republics, but First Republic got into trouble the same way Signature Bank was in trouble. And mm. then all the big banks in America got together and then said, we're just going to put heaps of money into Signature Bank, into First Republic Bank. Because what, ah. what, had, what had happened is you had this flight from the smaller regional lenders, which everyone was mm. worried about, and a flight to safety. So, okay, we're pulling out of uh, First Republic Bank and we're going to dump it in JP Morgan. And so th- this dynamic's going on. And so then. Hang on, JP Morgan then said, we can't let that happen. <laughs> we don't want more customers. <laughs> we need to give. First Republic Bank some money? Yeah, yeah. This is this is what the this is what the regulators <laughs> in America coordinated. What? All that they said to JP Morgan, all that money that's coming to you from the small small banks, hmm. can you just put it back? Right. And they're like, all right. <laughs> why did they do why did they agree to that? I think because the alternative is the collapse of the financial sector. Yeah, that's a good carrot, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. Which, you know, probably wouldn't have been good for profits of a bank. <laughs> 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 yeah, not yeah. financial analysis right. there, but probably. Hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that so that's going on. So all that's going on. So the whole financial sector yeah. is looking like pretty wobbly, pretty weird. Treasury mm. yields are all over the shop. Like the bond market had had a, had a tanked massively and then bounced back, and you know just unprecedented moves in the bond market. So it seems like mm. it's like this. It's it's a pivotal moment. It feels like one of these moments where it could go either way. Everyone's a bit tetchy, mm. and then Credit Suisse comes out and says, ah. Oh, yeah, we've got material weaknesses in our financial reporting processes, and then, right. and then, and then their biggest, the biggest um, shareholder is the Saudi National Bank. Yeah, I saw that. I don't understand why the Saudi National Bank is the biggest shareholder of Credit Suisse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. And I think that's just no how sense. world right. finance works. But <laughs> the head of the head of the head of the Saudi. I like how you're like. That's just how the world of finance works. Is like the equivalent of saying, "Yeah, that's because you don't understand most things." <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's such a nicer way of putting it. That's <laughs> no, just the, how the world of finance works, Adam. Um, yeah. Hmm. yeah, right. Some okay. things beyond the pale of your understanding. <laughs> no, but the head, so the head of the Saudi National Bank comes out and says. 
just want to announce we're not going to give Credit Suisse any more money right. because we have reached our cap. So like once there's like thresholds, like if you be, I don't know what it is, but like if you mm. own more than 10% of the company, then you need to like report together or something like this. It becomes a different right. story. Yeah. Yep. And they, they held yep. as much as they were willing to hold. And so he, he comes out right. and goes, yeah, we're not, just want to let everyone know we're not going to give Credit, credit Suisse any more money. <laughs> Everyone's like, does Credit Suisse need more money? What? <laughs> oh, how's the, ti- the champagne timing? Like, just <laughs> that is you can't. Like, I've seen a lot of a lot of performance, you know, comedy plays, yeah. whatever. You can't buy timing. That is amazing. Yeah, I've I've read the report. Uh, just just as an FYI, nothing nothing totally unrelated. Uh, we're not giving them any more money. Yeah, uh, mic drop. My drop, yeah. So yeah, so so markets freaked. Shares crashed thirty percent mm. at some point. Tra- right. Trading went into the stock went into a trading halt. Uh, European banks across the board smashed like ten percent. UBS down seven percent. So then the Swiss regulators stepped in and said like, ah, oh, no, they're good, eh? We're, they're they're all right. They're fine. They're not. They don't have any liquidity problems. Everyone's like, yeah. And then and then Credit Suisse went and says we're taking decisive action and we're tapping a fifty-four US billion dollar loan facility from the Swiss Central Bank just to. There's nothing wrong, but we are going to tap fifty-four billion. From the from the from the Swiss Central Bank. Standard, it's standard practice. <laughs> we do this every Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's every second Wednesday of the month. We just ask for fifty-four billion dollars from the US. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we do. Uh, again, unrelated, unrelated yeah. to everything else that's going on. In some ways, it's just bad timing. And and mm. the funny thing is, like, I'm reading this, like, ah, oh, I'm going, like, ah, oh, poor Credit Suisse, like, they just got caught up in the, caught up in the chaos. There's n- nothing of their own fault. But then you look, you look into, you know, people saying, oh, Credit Suisse has been on people's watch list for a while because their profitability is down. Their they've got their costs are up and their margins are weak, and. They got a criminal conviction for allowing drug dealers to launder money in Bulgaria. Mm, they got entangled help. in a corruption case in Mozambique and got involved in a spying scandal and had a massive leak of client data. And right. Like, ah, okay. Well, no wonder their regulatory report was late. Like, <laughs> it's been, I've been busy. <laughs> got a bit going on. <laughs> We've got criminal trials, lawsuits. We can't be filing accurate reports on time. Like, cut us some slack. We've got to prioritise. We've only got so many. We've got finite resources here at Credit Suisse. We can't be. We can't be submitting <laughs> regulatory reports where we've got bigger fish to fry. So sorry it was late. <laughs> sorry it wasn't as as accurate as you'd like it to be, but. We've got a bit going on. Just feeling like the emails from the Securities and Exchange Commission just putting us under a bit of pressure. <laughs> yeah, a bit naggy. So, yeah, so all that's going on. And then Bank of England's in emergency talks for some reason. Right. Because credits, I think the thing about Credit Suisse is that goes everywhere. SVB's pretty yeah, like, right. isolated to Silicon Valley. Credit Suisse is like global. So, right. yeah, Bank of England's in emergency talks. And then the Aussie bond market, I think I might have reversed now, but it went from pricing rate hikes to pricing rate cuts. Going oh. like, okay, wheels are coming off the financial system. Rate hikes are off the table. We're back to rate cuts. Wow. 
Yeah, but I mean, bond market's all over the shop. So by the time this comes out, that could have changed. But and in fact, the credit the Credit Suisse things changed too, hasn't it? The Credit Suisse, like I saw this morning. So we're recording on Friday, by the way. This is Friday the seventeenth of March. The Credit Suisse I saw this morning. Their share price is back up thirty percent. Is that because of because everyone gave them money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you took a pro- you took a look. Everyone took a look at their actual balance sheet, and we're like, ah, oh, it's it's okay. Right. It's not great in the sense of their profitability. Like their profitability hmm. is still hurting and their market cap is well down on where it was in 2021. So it's a, prob- it's a business with some problems, but it's not a bank at the brink of collapse. You know? So right. like it was a market overreaction to you know, just with the timing of everything. It, it was unfortunate timing. Right, okay. And the, ECB, and the ECB, interestingly, looked through all this and went like, Christine Lagarde, who's in our intro, actually, she looked through it and went like, "Yeah, we're we're hiking rates. We're not we're not going to let this this stop us from hiking rates." Good on you, mm. Christine. Mm. I heard someone this morning say that with all the money that's flowing into Credit Suisse at the moment, they're actually going to rename themselves Debit Suisse. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Thomas, what's happening with electricity prices? Yeah, well, they're going up. That mm. much we know. So we got the uh, draft default offers released by the Australian regula- Energy Regulator. Mm. So we talked about this a little bit last year, but the way the energy market work is the regulator controls retail prices through the default market offer, which is sort of like a benchmark rate for for everyone in the system. Okay. And so it, it sort of released this the draft determination on what should happen to those. And prices are going up, no surprise there. So New South mm. Wales, South Australia and parts of Queensland looking at around 23.7% increase wow. in electricity prices. So pretty, yeah, substantial. Interesting we're talking about. I actually had a solar system installed today. Mm. And the guy said he's like, Perfect timing, really, to get a solar system installed because with prices going up, he said your return on investment is actually the end of the weekend. So <laughs> I'm like, amazing. <laughs> I should save enough by, by Tuesday to have paid off the solar system. Um, yeah. 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 So 23% yeah, so. in South Australia. So that's like I, I would mm. not normally ever be happy about power prices rising, but as a new mm. solar system owner, I'm like, great. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. much I'll say. Oh no, it's, it's changed. Definitely changed the economics. I mean, I, we got our solar system about two years ago, and I reckon mm. the return was like break-even return was like six years or something. But it's yeah, like right. that's but that that was all before COVID. No, no, just right. after COVID, but before the energy market blew up. So yeah, yeah. that's got to be be down. So yeah. I mean, I get, I get nothing to feed back in. Like I'm getting like five yeah, cents or something yeah, feeding yeah. back into the grid. But, um, but still, I think it's, it's, it's stacking up. And I'm running a heater and it's 27 degrees outside. So <laughs> <laughs> just because I can. I'm sweating bullets in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we're 20, 23.7% New South Wales, South mm. Australia, but 31% in Victoria. It's 31.1%, right. yeah. So, wow. so that's pretty hefty. And that comes across because we also had double-digit increases last year. We got 18% New South Wales, 12% Queensland. So on the way up. So, yeah, pretty pretty, pretty chunky. Hmm. Um, that, and that, So that's a draft that will get finalised in May and then come into effect in the new financial year. It's when we can expect that to land. Did the government have some price caps? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, they brought they brought in price caps. What happened to them? Well, no, they're they're in place. So that's but that's at the that's at, that's at the whole at the um, generator level. 
and it seems to be working. Like it has that have that have brought down seems okay. to have brought down prices. Miss Claire Savage Savage from the, the who's the head of the AER. Yeah, she said that that it worked. At one stage, the AER had predicted a default market offer of a, a rise of between thirty five and fifty percent. Um, she says, but since October, the price of those four contracts has fallen, uh, fall of fifty percent in some regions, and that's definitely put a quite a significant reduction in the amount of price increases we'd be expecting to make. So yeah, so it worked. Good job. Okay, that's good. Mm. Um, but generally, then this is bad news for households. So obviously, people are going to have to pay more money. Yeah, it is bad. Yeah, like it, yeah, it's 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 hard. It's hard for households who've got to who've got to come up with that extra cash flow. It also put there's these two time bombs sitting in the inflation data, which is the other interesting thing about this. So this 31% increase in Victoria that happens in July 1st. So that kicks over in Q3 of you know this this year. That means that's going to be showing up in the inflation data, in the annual inflation data, all the way through to Q3 24. That big right. jump in power prices. Does that make okay. sense? So yep. our headline inflation, that's going to a thirty-one percent right. increase in electricity prices will feed through into headline inflation, and that's going to stay in the inflate in the inflation data until Q three twenty twenty four. Surely you, you're going to tell me surely that the RBA is across this though, and that they're going to factor it in, that they're not going to be looking at the inflation data in August and going, still pretty high. <laughs> We're going to have to keep. Keep pumping the the rates up. Uh, well, I mean, they've got to anchor expectations, they, and they've got to meet re, the, meet the reality, and they, so they've got to do whatever it takes. Anchor expectations. That's just fancy economist talk for we're putting prices up, and everything's going to get harder. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, no, but if if inflation's running at you know continues to run at five six percent because of power prices, and people expect inflation to run at five or six percent that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy outside of the, the electricity prices and inflation sticks around for longer right so the rba has to meet the inflation data where for where it's at mm. and electricity prices will go into yeah it'll be part of the mix won't, won't increased electricity prices have the same impact on spending and jobs and other things as raising rates like isn't the reason that we're raising rates to try and mm. cut inflation. So we want to raise rates, reduce people's spending, reduce people's kind of disposable income. Mm. And yeah. wouldn't raising electricity prices have the same effect? Therefore, if we do both, we're really smashing everybody? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, directionally it would. Whether it's one for one is hard to know. And, and, yeah, and yeah, definitely the RBA will be like, you know, looking at the balance of the economy and looking what's going on and, you know, if consumers are really getting smashed, they're not going to keep hiking rates. But if the consumers hold out and they do okay and unemployment doesn't rise, this inflation couldn't, you know, that's a, that's sticky inflation. So this is what, like we're talking about, like shifting, like having sticky inflation. This is a bit of a problem. Mm. The, other, the other problem is rents. So we know, like on core logic data, rents are running at 11%. Mm. Rents in the inflation data are like 4%. And the difference is that CoreLogic is measuring new rental contracts where uh, the ABS is measuring the stock of rental prices. Okay. Does that make sense? No. So it's like... But I'll try listening this time. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, yeah. they talk about it like a, like a bathtub and like the new, the new rental contracts. <laughs> yeah. 
how you're speaking my language. Put it into things bath I can up. understand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what a bath is. Yeah, so new rental contracts are the water flowing into the bath. Yeah. And if they're all they're running at ten percent higher, that's filling the bath with a temperature that's 10% higher. But the existing bath is mm. the total market regardless of when rents were agreed on. So they'll be in the, in the bath of the total pool of um, rental agreements. There'll be rental agreements that are four, five, six years old. Mm. You know, rental prices are going up on new contracts when new contracts are made, but that doesn't mean the existing contracts are going up. But they will in time once they roll over. And so that's why... You know, we're running at 11% now, but ABS says it's like 4%. But once all that new flow coming in heats up the pool, heats up the bath, then we're going to have 10% rental inflation in the ABS data. But it's not going to happen for another year, two years. Right. Do you know what I mean? So, like, we've got these two time bombs now with electricity prices and rents, both fairly substantial in the inflation data, Hmm. that are going to stick around for quite a long time just on the nature of the way the data works. Right. And that's going to happen regardless of what we do with rates then? So, so yeah. aren't we yeah, – we're yeah. raising rates to that's try and, to try and mm. curb inflation. So yeah. shouldn't we just stop raising – this is back to my other point. Shouldn't we just stop raising rates? If Like we're kind of saying, well, we know inflation's going to like get sticky and it's going to stay around and there's nothing we can do about it. So how about we don't raise mm. rates while the inflation's, you know, immovable – and mm, mm. we'll just kind of just deal with it until that all works itself out and then we'll reassess where we're at. Like it seems pretty cruel to be raising rates while there's this yeah. immovable inflation. If, we, if, if, the, if the rationale for raising rates is to get inflation down yeah. but we know we can't move yeah. it with rates, then what are we doing? We're banging our head against the wall. Yeah, yeah. I mean it is, it is one of the why monetary policy is a blunt instrument. Mm. You know, like if you, ha- if you imagine there's two sectors in the economy – and one's running really hot and that's pulling the inflation data up, mm. but the RBA can't touch it. Mm. The RBA on its mandate has to go after the other sector of the economy and smash it in order to bring the average down. That's its mandate. This whole system's broken. Let's just get used to having 6% in, uh, inflation. Well, how about that? <laughs> Why don't we just do that? Let's, that seems like a far easier thing to <laughs> to kind of digest if we just go, why don't we just say 6%'s okay? Yeah, you can't shift the inflation target every time it's uncomfortable. <laughs> like <laughs> That's exactly what politicians do all the time. They're like, well, we're going to have to review the policy. Yeah, and that's and that's where they took it out of the hands of the politicians. Well, we had a policy, but the policy just started to really drift away from the reality. So now we so now we've <laughs> we've formed a crack squad and we're gonna review the policy. <laughs> See if we can bring yeah. it in line with reality. It's not how the financial world operates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's take a break here. We'll grab a word from this week's sponsor and be back with more comedian versus economists right after this. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. All right, Thomas, we're talking about a new property project in New York City. What is mm. it? Yeah, it's, a, it's an office conversion. So, office has been converted to a bunch of apartments, basically. So, right. they've, they've taken this sort of heritage-listed Art Deco building, which was first built in 1931, hmm. um, and they've done a whole bunch of renovations on it, like massive renovations, lots of plush amenities, marble Ooh. kitchens and baths, herringbone floors, apparently. <laughs> la la! Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then the first residents are moving in this month. Rich residents, I'm guessing. Rich residents. Yeah, well, the so the address is 1 Wall Street. Ah. So it's like the first the first street on when you get to Wall Street. And the the developer Harry Macklow mm. said it was a landmark. It was the threshold of the financial district. Right. It was really walking right into the home of capitalism. Yeah, wow. Which, you know, I, I think that's going to speak to a particular demographic. I don't think <laughs> that many people are like, I want to live in the home of capitalism. <laughs> I was going to say, who wants to live in the financial <laughs> district? Like, of all the places in New York that you could live in, there's, you know, beautiful park views and all sorts, and you, you're going to choose to yeah. live in the financial <laughs> district. But the, and the last thing the financial district needs is bloody outsiders coming in. You know, people who didn't grow up in the financial district moving in, <laughs> start complaining about the noise from the regular Thursday the night live spreadsheet competitions going on at the milk bar. <laughs> Get your formulas down. Some of us are trying to sleep. Yeah. <sighs> Just classic. They move in because they like the vibe. I know. They want to be all financial. And then they get there yeah. and they, com they complain the, the economists are staying up too late. I think I think I'm actually I think I'm actually on record maybe on this podcast as saying we should but when COVID kicked off and all of the buildings in the city started mm. being evacuated, uh, not mm. evacuated, basically going unused because everyone was told you need to social distance and stay at home and you can't you can't move about. I think I actually said that we should convert them into living spaces. Mm. I was more thinking of homeless people being having some having a roof over their head, uh, yeah, which yeah. I don't think this is what the goal is here. I think this is to better service really rich people. Still, it's nice to see mm. someone do mm. it. <laughs> could have could have, could have had a better social outcome, but yeah, you take your little wins. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an idea that's been floated around for a while. Mm. Like, there's sort of the macro factors that are driving it. 
is one is the epic housing shortage, two is that low office occupancy. And office occupancy hasn't bounced back to pre-COVID levels yet. Mm. And and it does look like we're sort of moving towards more of a hybrid work story, which has less demand for office yeah. Yeah, footprint, less space. So that is is freeing up some office space, which, mm. you know, does look like a long term trend, you know, at the moment. <laughs> well, so I hope so, because they've spent a lot of money converting this office <laughs> into <laughs> <laughs> because as far as I know, they ripped out pretty much yeah. the entire inside of the building. So if they're like, ah, oh, you know what, yeah. turned out this was just yeah. turned out working from home was a fad. We really need that. Yeah. We're going to need to m- move these people out. <laughs> That'd be ironic if the mm. the really rich people who moved in ended up homeless because they got booted out of the office dwellings <laughs> because. <laughs> <laughs> we misjudged how long people would stay away from the city. Yeah, but yeah, so I mean, so it could so it could it could happen here because you got the same mm. two macro factors: the ho- housing shortage and that mm. low office occupancy. It's interesting, like you're saying, like there's the two big barriers to this. Uh, one is the perception of living in the CBD mm. that the CBD doesn't have a you know doesn't have a fun vibe, you know, being a financial <laughs> oh, yeah. district. Obviously haven't been to the financial district. It's going, <laughs> it's going off. Yeah. But, and, but the other thing is the expense. So one thing I learned from this article is that it's really expensive to convert offices to, to residential right. because offices are designed, like all the plumbing, all the electricity, everything is designed for an office mm. and it's a very different kit out. Yeah. And what, this, what Harry Mackler was saying is he had to completely gut the mm. building, all the plumbing, electrics, elevators, stairs, everything, it all came out and until on, only the shell remained right. and then he started again. So I think it like office conversion sounds like a neat idea. It's mm. like, oh, yeah, we'll just put a few beds in the corners and call it a house. But mm. it's actually it's actually a much bigger story than that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Like, yeah, it's an idea that's been floating around for a while but mm. hasn't really taken off. I think the communal, ki- the communal kitchen and the, the cafe area, that's always... <laughs> I think if I look around my office, I think that's that's the biggest barrier to me wanting to live there. <laughs> Simon from the infrastructure team just <laughs> walking in at any time, grabbing a cop, grabbing an instant coffee. These little notes. Can whoever yeah. left their champagne glasses in the kitchen? <laughs> yeah, passive aggressive. Please clean up after yourselves. Yeah. Just have a little respect. <laughs> not all of us want to pick up. Not all of us want to pick up your rubbish. Yeah, a bit of that sort of gear. I had some caviar in the fridge, and it was clearly <laughs> labelled. <laughs> right, Thomas. Finally, you've been yelling at clouds about robots taking our jobs for most of this year. Any update on that? Oh, it's coming. Right, it's coming. Still, we should still be angry. Yeah. I mean, no, lots of opportunities, lots of excitement, but mm. potentially a massive job apocalypse right. on the way very quickly. Um, <laughs> the thing that caught my attention was there was a test of an AI robot in Mark's Apparel. Oh, yeah. is a store in Canada, Vancouver, Canada, mm. Mark's Apparel, yeah, retail clothes and stuff. I think they do, work, they do workwear, I think. Oh, do they? I think so, yeah. Okay. They're owned by a tyre yeah. company, a Canadian tyre company. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm. The way the world of finance works. <laughs> yeah, but they, they, did a, they did a trial, robot trial, mm. uh, and it did good. Right. It did good. Yeah, it had a week-long pilot test. It had a, it had a human looking over its shoulder, but... It did, it did well. They were happy with the results. I think it not only had a human looking over its shoulder, it also had a pilot. Like it had someone, like an engineer or someone, who was driving the robot. Mm, is that right? I thought it was autonomous. I think so. Oh, maybe it was. 
Yeah, I thought because it's AI driven, so I think it's. I think I it's, guess that would make sense. I think if someone's in there with a joystick controlling it, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the gig's up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of our new autonomous robot? This is someone like yeah. It reminds me of a comic I once saw. Someone was like, "This is the latest ultra portable laptop," and then it was like a cable that ran to the other side of the wall where there was an enormous battery. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the so it yeah, did good. It did good. But the thing the thing that blew me away mm. is that it did 110 different retail related activities in the front and the back of the store. Mm. Included picking and packing merchandise, sales floor replenishment, cleaning, tagging, labeling, store display compliance, oh. and folding. Folding? Yeah. So, so 110, mm. like that's not, you know, like one robot doing one thing. Like I, I, I get it. But 110 different tasks, mm. that's pretty wow for me. But some of those tasks might be like picked up a pen, didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> Put it back down. <laughs> down. And it doesn't say how long it took it either. I don't know. Had a chat to Louisa from accounts. <laughs> Bit of water cooler banter. <laughs> Task number 37, tick. Uh, talk, to, yeah. talk to Stuart about the footy. 57, yeah. tick. Um, yeah. Mm. It also didn't say how quickly it was able to do these things, did it? Well, it doesn't matter. Well, it kind of does. No, because you're not paying it by the hour. But you still like, need as long stuff. As, it's in, as long as it's a reasonable time frame, <laughs> like, you, like, like I, four hours to fold one shirt. I'm going to find the video. There's a video of from the company that made this robot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the video of the robot yeah. with the Ziploc bag? Ziploc bag, yeah. And its job was to open the Ziploc bag Take some pink, some different coloured ping pong balls, put them in the bag, and then zip it up again. It literally took this. This is a four and a half minute video of this robot putting ping pong balls in. It would take a human like literally five seconds. So yeah, yeah. I think that I think time is I think needs to be considered here. I, I think so, but but it's also like you got to remember we're we're on an exponential curve here, mm. and like you know it's, if it's four and a half minutes now, it. In five years, it's five seconds, right? Mm. Like if it's done the task, that's the breakthrough. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, saying like there's big, the big challenges is getting, getting the robot to think like a human and do the problem solving. Mm. But the other big challenge they talked about with this is hands and mimicking hands and saying that 98% of all human work requires the dexterity of the hand. Mm. And that has been a massive challenge because human hands are just this marvel of engineering. Mm. But they're, they're cracking that nut. And 110 different retail tasks from one robot, mm. that's pretty impressive. I mean, how many tasks are there in a, in a retail store? Like, can't be much, that much more than 110. Yeah, and even the hand story, like you have to think, like the store at the moment is set up for hands. <laughs> like it's set up <laughs> yeah. for people with hands. And so yeah. if you could go, if you get the robot kind of doing 80% of the work, and then there's like 20% of tasks just need hands, then maybe you're at the point where most of the work can be done by a robot and you go, you know what, why don't we just refactor the store to not need hands mm. anymore? Like, you know, if you look at Amazon's factories mm. or Amazon's whatever, the robots flying all over the place and picking things off shelves, mm, they're mm. all designed not, they don't rely on hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think maybe we'd just reach a tipping point and we go, you know what, hands 
we're just old school. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> more for your more for your small um, smaller stores where we still use hands. Mm. Because at some point, yeah, as you say, if you can do 110 retail tasks, then yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the cost has got to be a barrier too. Like. Mm. I don't know. What does a robot cost? Well, I'm guessing millions of dollars still. For now. For now. For now. Yeah. 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 I mean, this this is the thing. Like, everyone, you look at it, it's easy to mock robots doing a slow job, not doing a great job. But mm. it's like, that's now. It's like, mm. you look at where the iPhone, how the iPhone evolved over 10 years. We're looking at something probably quicker than that mm. with this stuff. So, well, it'd have to be because it'd be very difficult to performance manage a robot too. Like, if it wasn't working and you needed to be like, <laughs> Look, mate, you're just not getting the balls in the bag as quick as we need you to, to do it. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, we're just need to have a, we're going to have to have a talk. <laughs> Are you even listening to what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the other risk you've got too, of course, is you can't, they're only suited to some industries. You couldn't have a robot working in an electronics store. The temptation for theft would be far too great. You'd have... You have your robot worker just uh, fleecing new parts for itself off, <laughs> <laughs> off the shelf, <laughs> skimming the crypto till. Like where does it, <laughs> where does it end? Uh, yeah, no, well, we'll see. Yeah. I guess only time will tell. Um, the thing I fa- also found funny about this article is how much they were trying to spin, really go out of the way to say this wasn't coming for jobs. Right. So Geordie Rose, who's the co-founder of Sanctuary AI, mm. um, said that the robot performed many necessary but rudimentary tasks that people note finding unsatisfying or unfavorable. That's work. That's work, right? Like <laughs> a li- work, jobs is literally a list of tasks that are unsatisfying and unfavorable. Here's a, things, here's a list of things you probably don't want to do. Do you want to do them? No. All right. What if I pay you? Okay, I'll do them if you pay me. This is the, this is the yeah. foundations of work. Yeah. And we've got to remember too, back in, the, back in the early days of cigarettes, you know, there was a time when I think some people were trying to say cigarettes were actually good for you. <laughs> you know, like I think yeah, we need to yeah. be mindful of the lessons of the past and go, well, I don't think yeah. we should necessarily just assume that, you know, people who are making the next thing, whether it's cigarettes or robots, yeah. have our best interests at heart. No. I mean, but I find, I find it interesting that there is actually this push. So the AFR also wrote, mm. they wrote a review of chat GPT-4, yeah. version 4 that's just come out. Pretty amazing. Um, and they were loving it. But they're saying, if companies continue down this path to automate some of the most time-consuming tasks, white-collar employees will get back the thing they value most time oh yes so, and that that so is just poetic. so it is but it's such a stupid statement like you know like you imagine your boss walks in and goes what are you doing just sitting around like oh i'm just enjoying the time that's freed up because chat gpt's doing my work now yeah it's like i'm not pa- i'm not paying you to just sit around mm. if your time's freed up either i'm taking that mm. i'm paying you less or i'm getting you to do something else that i'm going to pay you for mm. It's not freeing up time for office workers. Office workers are not, there's no scenario where office workers are getting more time mm. at the end of the, the robot revolution. Yeah. That's just, it's, and it's, but it's just interesting that everyone at the pushing this is, mm. is really going out of their way to say, oh, it's going to create lots of opportunities. It's not going to kill jobs. Like, mm. yeah, it patently is. And the reason, and the biggest hint to that is that people are really trying to tell you that it's not. Mm. For sure, for sure it is. This is like when I was in the shaver shop and I bought and I was buying a shaver, electric shaver, and the guy was like, you can use it wet or dry, you can use it in the shower. 
so you can save time. And I was thought, and I thought to myself, I'm like, brilliant, I'll be able to shave in the shower. And of course that'll save time because I'm showering and I'm shaving. But that only that only works if like I was planning to just stand idly in the shower <laughs> at, for a period yeah. of time <laughs> because I can't be washing my hair while I'm shaving uh, or I can't be, I mean, you know, take some, yeah. take some coordination. I can't be, you know, lathering the soap while I'm shaving. Uh, so while I'm shaving, I'm not doing whatever else I might've been doing in the shower. So really being able to shave in the shower or after the shower has no mm. impact on my time. Yeah, um, so I think there's a lesson in that for all of us. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what the robot revolution is going to be like. It's going to be like my shaver. <laughs> all right, Thomas, we've gone on far too long. Uh, I think we better leave it there. We did want to get to uh, a message from Quinton who sent us a message at CVE Podcast. Um, we won't get to it this week, but uh, it was really interesting. So uh, stick around and give you a reason to tune in next week. Uh, we'll definitely get to it then. So uh, that's it from us. Don't forget FinFest is happening again this year, November the 11th, 2023 at the Carriage Works in Sydney. Uh, we hope you can join us there. Uh, great event last year, promises to be an even bigger and better event this year. But for us, that's all for this week. It is bye for now. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.